Today's episode was recorded on April the 7th, 2020. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, still in his separate bunker, at least six feet away. Um, Caffeine Rage. On today's show, we will of course be discussing the games that we've played the last couple of weeks. We're going to be having our March Game Club, which was the Outer Worlds. We'll be discussing what the April Game Club is going to be. The new wireless game controller for PlayStation 5 got shown off. And as long as there's time, we'll have a Steam Discovery queue. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Hello. How are you? Uh, little cabin fever, a little frustrated that I can't find certain uh, banking supplies. But other than that, I'm okay. Nice. And I, I, I opened up a new tab on uh, uh, Firefox and I saw a black and white picture of Bill Murray and that scared me for a moment. Did you think he had died? Question mark. Well, with everything else going on, why not at this point, right? That's true. That's very true. Yeah, I have. I have been feeling quite poorly for a couple of days. It's all stomach stuff. I don't know what it is. It sucks. I've been in fairly consistent stomach pain for a couple of days. Nothing like severe. Like I'm, I'm not considering going to the hospital. If it was more normal times, I might go to the doctor. If this, I. I kept up for another day or two but with everything right now i'm just gonna stay inside unless it gets like super bad but just a little bit of pain and and nausea sucks um i'm still enjoying staying at home no pants Uh, so in other words normal yeah well keeping as much normality as possible is key to go survive this right it's true i have gained three pounds which is not good um not being able to go to the gym and yes. uh, also also not getting even like a, a tiny amount of exercise because at my work or at my office, I, I'm walking at least a mile or so every day, which in the grand scheme of things, like doesn't sound like a lot. And it's definitely not enough if like I wasn't working out on top of it. But at home, I walk maybe 100 yards all day, maybe so. Put on three pounds in three weeks. So I'm trying to do reverse course on that. Thankfully, I live out in the middle of nowhere. So going for walks outside is is pretty easy because there's really nobody out and around. Like, I mean, I do live in a neighborhood, like on a cul-de-sac, but the woods is right behind my house. So I can just go down, walk in the woods for a minute, and then wind up on this back road. It's an old service road for, I think, logging, like the logging industry. It's all grown up. Um yeah, uh, I just go back there and walk. Yeah, around here, well, my county is uh, putting in more and more stringent, uh, essentially shelter in place. So even that, it's not strictly forbidden, but it's frowned upon to go out yeah. even for really exercise at this point. I mean, you can, but like I said, they're starting to get a little crazy here. Then there's the idiots there. Going up and down the road all the time on uh, side-by-sides and ATVs. It's like, oh. All of my city and county officials are still like, nah, it's, everything's fine. We don't have any problems here. Uh, I'm just uh, picturing that one scene from The Naked Gun. Everything's fine here. Move along. <laughs> Please disperse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just 
what the hell, right? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, my governor... Uh, okay, I'll give my governor, Jim Justice, some credit. He is being proactive. But he's also... Tr- uh, he's a rambling fucker. And he keeps uh, floating the idea of reopening schools at the end of April. No, that's a bad idea. He keeps uh, talking about way and see, way and see. Uh, how about giving some sort of more concrete answer than, eh, we'll see, you know? Yeah. Because, hell, even uh, when the shelter-in-place, or, or sorry, the social distancing edicts were extended to the end of April, he waited two weeks, almost, to extend uh, the school closures to the end of April. Originally, it was April 20th. Yeah, uh, April 20th was the go-back date. So, just over two weeks from now. And it's just, oh, what the fuck? Yeah, my city and county officials are still like, yeah, no problem here. And uh, I just went and looked at the breakdown by county. Mm-hmm. And Ray County still has got zero listed confirmed cases, but we've only ran 107 tests. And, I mean, Ray County is not big, but there's still something like 15,000 people that live here. So, it's, it, yeah. Tennessee's over 4,000 cases now, based on the way that they list it. 4,100 cases. Uh, yeah, uh, West Virginia has 412 cases. 222.06 cases per million. Yeah, 4,138 confirmed cases. Currently 72 fatalities. But the official like state reports lag about a day behind yeah. other reports. Yeah, right now there are 61 confirmed in my county. So, there's your uh, daily dose of sadness, dear listeners. Yeah. To remind you of how much of a yeah, dumpster yeah, fire yeah, the world yeah, is. Yeah, let's put it this way. My county has actually instituted, well, my state governor's instituted more stringent uh, shelter-in-place and social distancing edicts to the point that the local grocery store that I go to now, the Kroger, only allows, according to Anita's mother, five people in at a time. Uh, customers, I should say. Right. It's a little crazy. A lot of people around, or a lot of places around here are doing 10. There might be some that do five, but 10 is kind of the standard that I've seen people posting about on social media. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically I'm going to be camping out uh, the Kroger pickup uh, to just do try to do that. Oh, God, I was wrong. Ray County has got 33,000 people that live in it, which, again, is not a lot compared to a lot of other areas, but to have only done 107 tests... So, anyways. Um, do you want to talk about something that's fun? I uh, hope, I hope. sure. Yeah, you could go first. Okay. Okay, so I've got two games played for this week. Um, the first is Ark Survival Evolved. The link goes to Steam, but I played this through Game Pass. Um, I, I, I thought exactly you were talking about something fun. <laughs> I really like Ark. The game itself, like on a mechanical level is hot garbage. That game is not optimized. Um, it chugs on my new-ish, my newer hardware now. I did not try it, try it on my 480, um, but I suspect it wouldn't have run very well. Um, but the game itself is a blast. There's, there's just, like, it still hasn't worn off the thing of, like, I'm riding a dinosaur with a pack of dinosaurs that are, like, following me under my command, and we're going to go attack that other bigger dinosaur and kill it. Like, 
that is still very exciting. So, um, for anyone who doesn't know what Ark Survival Evolved is, it is a survival game. You gotta eat, you gotta sleep. Do you have to poop? You don't sleep. You do actually poop. Do you fling at uh, dinosaurs? No. Uh, Zero out of ten. Worst game ever. You pick it up and use it for fertilizer on your crops. But yes, you poop. Yeah, but you're not on Mars, so it doesn't count. You can poop on command. There's a specific key that makes you poop. Although if you poop on command, your poop is not as good for fertilizer as if you just let the poop happen naturally. As you do. So, there you go. Or I guess as Um, you do do. But uh, yeah, it's a survival game. Um, It is multiplayer focused and pushed. You can play single player, um, which I like. I prefer. I don't want to be griefed and horribly sad by people. Because uh, Um, jerks uh, are full of these games, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, these games are full of these jerks, I should say. Um, (coughs) On Game Pass, it's got... All of the DLC except for the newest one. So I have access to all the new maps, or well, new, quote, new, the different maps and game modes um, that you can buy <coughs> in the expanded content. Like, I think it's part of like the, the, season, it's like the first season pass or something like that. Like, it's got all of that content on it if you look at it on Steam. Um, the only thing it's missing is the Genesis content, I should say, which is the newest release. So, um, but because the game is so multiplayer focused, there's this annoying thing where that as you level up, you unlock, you get points to unlock different blueprints. Um, so you can't actually get everything to craft, even in, in single player, which doubles the amount of points that you get without using console commands. You can't unlock everything in the game to craft as you level up, which I think is bullshit. If you're going to play in single player, just give me everything when I hit the next level. That way I can play with it. So... Every so often, I have to go in the it in the console commands and tell it to give me all of the. They're called engrams, but they're like I mean, they're just blueprints. But I have to tell it to give me all of the engrams that are available to me at my level. But I mean, it, you, it does thankfully have a lot of options for tweaking the survival stuff. Otherwise, this game would be unplayable um, because it it runs on the thing of like you have to constantly babysit your food and your water if you don't mess with those um, and the options. Which you can only do when you start a brand new game um, in single player or if you're hosting a private server. Um, if you're hosting a public server or you're on one of the official servers, you're, you're stuck with the default. So basically, I turned the food, like the hunger meter, down to like 25%. Mm-hmm. Um, and the water meter also down to like 25%. Which means that during like a full day-night cycle, you only have to eat once um, and drink maybe two or three times. How many Whereas times do you have to poop? Was, uh, you poop every in-game hour. If That's you a lot of shit. Like, if you keep your hunger meter full, the game thinks that you're eating, like, constantly to keep your hunger meter full, so you poop every hour. On the hour. No, that's, a, that's a very clockwork colon. You know it. Gotta stay healthy. A lot of fiber. But I've got those things turned down. Um, you, I mean, you can turn them. You can't turn them off, which sucks, but you can turn it, like, 0.01%. So you would basically not have to eat. I turned down the dino feeding to 0.01% because another thing is that with this game being based around multiplayer, if you do it by yourself, as you level up and you tame more and more dinosaurs and other creatures that you need for things like um, 
you know, so that you can move faster, so that you can fly. Dinosaurs can obviously carry way more weight than you can. So when you go crafting and dinosaurs are way better in combat than you, maybe when you get guns, but right now I've got like an axe and a bow. And so uh, dinosaurs well, well, fight. Or you do have a ranged weapon. You could throw your poo. I've got a slingshot too. It would be nice if you could slingshot your poo. Look, but uh, craft anyways. Pellets. Yeah. But anyways, dinosaurs are, are way better at combat than you are. So, it's, I mean, it, I do, I, I have, let's see, I've got two dodos because they lay eggs, which are used both for crafting and for food. And then I've got a Parasaurolophus, which is like a big herbivore that you can ride on, like, one of the earliest dinosaurs that you can actually craft a saddle to ride on. I've got a Triceratops, and I've got a pack of Dilophosaurus. And if I had to feed all of those every day, like, that would be my entire time playing, is, like, feeding them. And you can craft, like, feed troughs and set up a whole system where they can be automated. And that's great, and I'll probably eventually do that. But I'm still learning a lot of stuff. It's not very intuitive in terms of, like, uh, irrigation, for example. I still have no clue how the irrigation system works. So, basically, my crops only grow when it rains because the irrigation piping doesn't work properly. And I'm just too stubborn to look up a video how to use it. Like, as someone who's played tons of these survival crafting games, you either have to explain it in a tutorial or make it intuitive. And they do neither. That's like everything in this game. They don't explain it. And they don't make it intuitive. So, that portion of the gameplay kind of sucks. And now that I think about it, a lot of stuff about this game really sucks. But God, is it fun to ride a dinosaur with a pack of dinosaurs and fight a bigger dinosaur. That's a lot of fun. That's hard gameplay to beat right there. There's there's some kind of story going on as well. Like, there's these weird obelisk things that come down out of the sky, like, very, like, 2001 Space Odyssey-esque. And if you reach them in time, you can get special resources and high-level blueprints and um, equipment. And there's, like, these journal notes you can find around the map from other explorers, I guess. And I found a robot the other day. So there's there's like some kind of story going on here, but I just don't care because all I want to do is build like a wood hut and ride dinosaurs around. And I'll do that until that gets boring. And then I probably won't play it anymore. So there you go. Ark Survival Evolved. I sure as hell wouldn't pay money for it, but since it's included in a Game Pass, I'm going to have a good time until I'm bored with it. Also, it runs like hot garbage. <laughs> Or, I guess, uh, for me, it would be on fire garbage. Yeah. Just computer burst into flames. Yep. So, yeah, that's Ark. What's what's your game, Rage? So, uh, I decided the world wasn't ending quickly enough, so I started playing Plague Inc. Evolved. Because, why the fuck not at this point, right? Right. Uh, basically, I saw that they were, well, one... Uh, putting in a new game mode some at some point in the future to prevent pandemics from happening, uh, from happening, or oh, that's the game mode I should say. But also, there's uh, the fact that they put in a rather sizable donation to the relief fund for the COVID nineteen virus. So I thought, you know, that's worth uh, tossing a few bucks at. So, for those who don't know, Plague Inc. Evolved is a, a sequel, a, an expansion upon, I'm not sure what the proper terminology here is, of, is it from the mobile game or is it vice versa, actually? Uh, you know, I don't know. 
Uh, well, let's see. Uh, I should have checked this out before. Uh, Plague Inc. Yeah, it looks like the original Plague Inc. is on uh, mobile, and it's not Valve. So, uh, is an expansion or uh, a sequel, depending on how you want to look at it, to Plague Inc., where you are a virus, a bacteria, a fungus, some sort of pathogen that tries to end humanity. You know, it's, you know, fairly uh, relevant these days. And the entire point of the game is to spread your whatever you are uh, to as many people as possible and then murder them or, in some cases, actually enslave them. So each version of it uh, has a slightly different play style, like uh, the fungus, until you build up a certain amount of... uh, points into uh, your transmission it's very hard for you to spread overseas so you're very localized and once your dis- your disease your pathogen or whatever is discovered uh, the more severe you become the uh, more the global effort to dis- to discover a cure and wipe you out becomes so there's this bouncing act of trying to build up symptoms that would help uh, expand your uh, 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 expand how easily it is to transmit your disease or whatever you are to other people while remaining not severe enough that you uh, get detected early on or you get people to start rushing for a cure. And while you're playing, you also have the ability to get DNA points, which allows you to evolve, even though Really, the word evolve in this case is more intelligent design, let's be perfectly honest here. Because you are designing your whatever to build up a certain way. Even though I hate the term intelligent design because uh, that, that's that's opening up a can of worms. Uh, but the, the entire point, like I said, is to spread and then uh, wipe out humanity. Most of the time. There's uh, things like a parasitic worm that burrows into brains that you could set it so that instead of wiping out humanity, uh, humanity thinks you're a god and you're divine. So uh, they build religions uh, to you and build cults and uh, uh, wipe out research and that sort of thing, which makes it a little bit more fresh and turns it from just the same idea over and over again into a more... Uh, free-flowing, this is kind of different thing. And then there's the additional game modes. I haven't played one of them yet. There's one that you are a vampire awakened from uh, this, uh, after several thousand years, and you are trying to uh, convert the uh, humanity into essentially cattle to feed upon while building up a vampiric army. Uh, there's another one that allows you to eventually create a zombie army. There's a tie-in to, uh, I think it was Rise of the Planet of the Apes, which is the yep. Simian flu, which uh, allows you to create super ape soldiers to take over the world. And each one of these game modes has their own challenges, their own uh, uh, sort of goals. Uh, some of them introduce a minor strategic, uh, or uh, I should say a more simple strategy game on top of the stimulation. 
there's genes that you can unlock through winning the game on other modes to uh, make it easier to spread, uh, make it uh, easier to evolve, but it, your disease easier to cure. And it really lends itself to just toying around kind of almost idle uh goofing around but it's not an idle game uh, from uh, far from it actually it's kind of uh gives a new insight into the current world state where you see things all chipper and happy and you know uh seeing people talking about oh the olympics coming to brazil which gives you an idea of the release date it was uh, uh early uh, 2016 when it was released to uh you know the uh, the president uh, becoming sick and nuclear disaster because uh, you are driving people insane or uh, uh, you slow uh, uh, workflow uh, towards the cure because uh, certain uh, dis- uh, symptom uh, uh, types uh, become combinations. So, for example, sneezing and diarrhea gives the <laughs> oops combo. Yep which slows uh, progress uh, or work progress, which in turn slows research towards the uh, cure. But then there's things like uh, uh, bloody lesions that uh, make it very easy for you to spread, but it also ramps up your severity quite high. So it makes it a lot more noticeable if you haven't been noticed already. And if you have, they're going to be working a lot harder on that cure. So it's kind of a prudent <laughs> like I said uh, thing for uh, these days that said there are uh, kind of downfalls to it I mean it is very samey once you figure out a certain strategy there while there is an element of luck in some cases uh, because you uh, your transmission vectors are just person to person via land eventually you got unlock animal transmission which will happen uh, just automatically over time. And if you go further, far enough down that route, it could actually uh, ha- uh, happen over further distances so you could get, you know, that bastard Madagascar. Uh, there's uh, shipping and air routes, but it seems like they're just random flying from airport to airport. And the more infected a country is, the higher the chance a airplane will be infected. But, of course, when shit starts to go down, borders close, ports close, airports close. So, you have to have a, th- uh, a really a foothold on the four major land masses and hope that you got the islands enough. Uh, Greenland, Iceland, Madagascar, and uh, essentially Australia. Because Australia is kind of cut off for the most part. Yeah, and Australia is a first world country, so they're hard to infect yeah, and they're slow Sometimes. to and they're slower to take over or get a good foothold. And there's also the fact that if you uh, are too severe and you are killing too many people too quickly and don't have enough uh, uh, rate of transmission, you could actually kill off too many people. Uh, uh, you could kill off too many people and essentially just fizzle out on a landmass. And Adidas sitting here looking at what. Can I w- wipe out the world here? Scientifically based? Yes, actually, he's given talks at the CDC about it. Uh, the developer of the game. Uh, and guess by, by Anita. The science teacher approves. Yeah. I should get her to play it. Uh, but let's see. Uh, you have to be careful about uh, bouncing out things. It, but does it feel like uh, 
uh, these games where you're just managing three slaughters and that's it because there's enough randomness and enough uh, strategy underlining all that to make it feel like an actual game, if that makes any sense, instead of just a spreadsheet simulator. Uh, so far, I've unlocked most of the different uh, pathogens. Uh, I'm trying to think of what the last one I unlocked was, actually, because it's been a few days because it's been all hands on deck for Game Club to get as far as I can in it. Uh, I did the Parasitic Worm and uh, became a god, which that one gets rather funny towards the end because it's a, more of a linear progression on the evolution of it. Essentially, your worm burrows into different parts of the brain and starts affecting the brain in different ways. So you could... Uh, uh, sl- uh, slowly, you start seeing people started to uh, become uh, very cultish towards uh, your parasite. And uh, slowly, you start seeing all research is stopped or slowing to stop because people are starting to think, maybe this is a good thing, which is a little scary, huh? Yep. But yeah. I- overall, I would say it's uh, worthwhile, uh, especially if you win a game just to kind of tool around with every so often. And don't mind things being a little bit morbid right now. Uh, the vampire mode, which is the kind of the extra mode I've toyed around with the most, is pretty interesting because eventually you get uh, these uh, paramilitary groups start popping up to try to uh, battle the forces of darkness. So you get this weird uh, uh, back and forth, especially as they start to develop research for the dark plague that you're spreading. Uh, there's, uh, sorry, I'm just trying to think of what else to really cover here because it, it's kind of one of those games that it's the, the same concept over and over again, but with enough twist that it doesn't feel like it's the same thing over and over again, if that makes any sense. Like, you know, you're uh, usually uh, out of uh, the Asia uh, uh, continent uh, uh, infecting a bunch of people. But then things take a twist, or a random mutation in your disease may make it so that, oh, suddenly people are, uh, you know, uh, uh, having projectile uh, vomit. Because that will go uh, unnoticed for long, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I-, I would say it's definitely worth checking out if you're interested in it. Sweet. Yeah, I've played before. I think it was a year, maybe two ago, when mm-hmm. I talked about playing it. Yeah, um, I think you played it on mobile. I played it on PC, which I think did it yeah. for the uh, uh, PC tax. But, yeah. 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 So my other game on my list for this week is an old one, uh, Civilization Five, And I put complete, like, in parentheses, because for forever I've only had the base game. And this week, yesterday, I guess, they um, put the both of the, the expansions, like the big ones, Brave New World and Gods and Kings, I think, were on sale. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm playing that right now. Um, so I'll get those. Uh, so I've, I've got my first experience with Civ Five with the the big DLC expansions, whatever. Um, Civ Five was always probably my favorite Civ game. Um, I mean, I've enjoyed... I've never, I've never actually played the original Civilization, Sid Meier's Civilization, but I've played Civ Two, Three. Four, five, six. Um, I played Alpha Centauri. I have not played what was it, Civilization Beyond Earth or whatever. Um, I haven't played that one, 
But um, I've also played a couple of the spinoffs because there was like Civilization Revolution, I think is what it was called. It was on console and mobile. Um, I think there was a, a Revolution 2 that was on mobile exclusively. So I'm I'm a big fan of Civ. And 5 has always stuck with me as being the one that I, I liked the most. Um, and after having played with Brave New World and Gods and Kings, Civ 5 feels like what the base of Civ 6 is, except better than Civ 6. Um, the big thing, the big difference between Civ 6 and previous versions of the Civilization series is that uh, in Civ 6, you have to build... Not all, but a lot of the best city improvements on on tiles instead of them all just being an improvement that goes in your city. And there's pros and cons to the system for sure, but it Civ Six is a lot more limiting in that way. Now I have not played Civ Six with the the big expansions that it has for it, so that that could completely change the gameplay. And from what I know about it, it does. Um. But I, I like Civ V's balance of, you know, having a religion and the way that trading works in Civ V. Um, you don't have the huge death piles that existed in previous versions of Civ. Oh, the, the, the uh, death balls, huh? Yeah, the death balls. Um, it just, it feels really balanced. And I've been playing it a lot lately, working from home. That's kind of been my background game. Because um, it's, a, it's a lot easier to have something that, does take a little bit of time to sort of manage because um, when I'm actually at my office I do still play games sometimes during the day but I don't it, it's a little more sporadic and with me being at home at my computer all day it's just there running on one of my my monitors um, and I can take a few minutes to do a couple of turns and then just leave it sitting since Civ is turn based um, and just go back and forth between it pretty easily um, I just really like Civ Five. Uh, I'm sure eventually there'll be another one, and who knows? Maybe by then, uh, you know, I'll give it a shot, or maybe I'll finally get all the DLC for Civ Six and try that out. But yeah, I, I was kind of thinking about how exactly I could talk about this. Like Civ Five is ten years old, and I think anybody who knows it will have played it by now. That will. So I, I don't have like tons of stuff to sort of say about it because i think any anybody in our audience who knows what it is has probably played it and knows if they like it or if they don't but it's just interesting how that one how that the game experience can be so changed by just a couple of what feel like on the surface small system changes like adding a religion and adding trading to the game i guess there's some other tweaks too because they change up how the um the city states work a little bit and actually make them more important yeah, but, at this point, I'm just waiting for them to do a complete edition on uh, Civ Six. I mean, they do have the the Platinum Edition, which looks like it has pretty much everything, if not everything. I think, but yeah, it, I think still, there's only been two big still, expansions. Yeah, but still, forty eight bucks. Yeah, or at least so, in this sale. But then again, a lot of those small civilization packs, uh, or single civilization, or two civilization packs are done on sale and that's bumping up the price significantly yeah how much is beyond earth i was very excited when beyond earth came out and i never played it oh it's 75 percent off it's 10 bucks yeah probably Back about nine cart. bucks more uh, than it needs to be oh or maybe not wait inclusive oh that's the 14 bucks for civ 3 complete civ 4 civ 5 and civ beyond earth 
Too bad I have Civ three. Yeah, shame that's not Actually, a complete your uh, uh, collection, huh? Collection bundle. Yeah, I don't have Civ four on Steam. I played that one. I can't remember if I had it on D- CD or DVD. Like, it would have been multiple CDs if it came on CD, but Civ 4 was actually the first Civ game I ever played. My middle school, high school best friend and I would, like, he, he had it first, and he showed it to me, and I bought it, and that w- then we would, like, get together, like, during the summer or over, like, long weekends or whatever from school and just play. Like, we would we would crank it up to, what was it, epic length or whatever, like, whatever the longest time scale of the game was and we would play that shit out it's good times good times yeah i think the first actual civilization i played was five then i went back to four which was mm-hmm. a mistake i, I would never say i played another civilization like game at some point but i'm not sure what one it was uh but it's just going from five to four with the changes not only in the you know the death balls but also uh, them going from a square grid to the hexagonal grid. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's hard to go back if you don't have the nostalgia for it. Because it's just one of those things that... Oh, they uh, yes, I realize it pissed off a lot of people whenever they got rid of the death balls. It pissed off a lot of people whenever they changed the grid. But it feels so much more strategic uh, g- uh, having to deal with an entire army as individual units instead of just okay this is my ball of death i'm gonna throw it your ball of death oh my ball of death's bigger i win yeah i mean i know Although that i be- know i'm over uh simplifying that but i didn't get far enough into sim 4 strategy to figure it out because it was just oh civ 5 is so much better yeah to be fair though civ 5 doesn't really have much strategy when it comes to combat honestly i mean maybe playing against people more regularly but primarily i like to just play against the ai and for them, it's just hold, like, if, if they're going to come at you, just hold enough of a defensive line. If you're going to go after them, whittle down their cities with artillery and then take them over with infantry. Like, yeah, which I know that, like, yeah, that sounds AI super is, duper simple, but there's... Yeah, AR is always a, a weak point in any of the Civilization games. Yeah, you you very rarely have... In my, at least in my experience, any dif- any open battles with AI, it's all centered around cities. When you play with people, you have to be a lot more strategic and maybe defend certain, you know, choke points on the map or something like that. But with with the AI, they seem to just randomly roam their troops around. Well, have you ever played they with the uh, artificial unintelligence mod? No. Have you ever heard of the artificial unintelligence mod? No. Okay, I'm going to link you the artificial unintelligence mod. This is for Civ Five. It does it. The AI can still be a bit of a joke, but it works on fixing a lot of things. Uh, let me go to Discord and throw you this because it is worth checking out. It's on the Steam Workshop. It makes the AI a lot more logical. Yeah, because there's been plenty of times where they've had me on the back foot and it's like, oh god, if they attack there one more time, that unit like, that really powerful unit's gonna get overrun or that city's gonna get destroyed and it's like, then they just like, go two tiles to the left, it's like, what are you doing? I mean, that's great, but what are you doing? So, okay. It's, I'll have to it's worth checking compare. Out. I'll probably wait to turn that on until I get a little more familiar with the Brave New World and 
Gods and Kings. Um, cause I'm only, I'm still in my first game using those two expansions. I'm in the year like 1700 playing as Russia. Um, I'm spreading the, the good word of, of sex perverts around the world. Um, as you do. And working on that cultural victory. Cause just cause I want to do a cultural victory, but that's, that's my thing. I always name my religion sex perverts. I did that in, in Civ six. That was, that was my favorite way to win a game was to, do a get a religious victory and sex perverts take over the world can you i didn't i just thought can you win like a quote religious victory i don't think so i, I don't think Civ it's in, i don't think there's a religious victory in Civ five the religion just helps you just double checking oh there is in Civ six but not in Civ five yeah okay but i mean spreading the religion still helps so the religion <laughs> the prophets and the missionaries are like the best scouts because they can, they don't have to respect borders. They just can go through, and it's fine. Yeah, science, uh, cultural, uh, diplomatic, which they changed in Brave New World, uh, and time, and of course, uh, you know, annihilation. Well, d- uh, domination. Sorry, that's what they call it here. Yeah. How, in in Civ Five, every game does wind up breaking down the same for me. Like I, I decide at the beginning of the game, I'm going to go for this type of victory, science, culture, whatever. But by the end of the game, it's like, nuke everyone, take all the capitals. Well, what's interesting is they uh, made the cultural victory in Civ V uh, respect the tourism uh, 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 aspect that they in- introduced in Brave New World. So it's a lot... Which is continued in Civ Six. Yeah, it's a lot tougher. Before, it was just get enough of uh, the uh, culture to get so many of the... Uh, uh, I'm blanking on the name of them, but... Uh, the, get, uh, the, the think, talent tree, essentially. Yeah, I think you had, you had to get five. And then finish off the Utopia project. Yep. Uh, or with the, the cultural victory, it becomes a lot more dynamic because you're having to deal with tourism. And that, honestly, is something I never completely understood. Uh, but it all it builds around uh, science and everything else. It's just, uh, it's a, it's something that I never found a good walkthrough on how to deal with. If it works the same as is how it does in Civ Six, which I think it does. I mean, like I said, this feels exactly like base Civ Six. Um, is that you? You do gain culture, um, you know, through all of the buildings and stuff. But what you're trying to do is try and get enough um, great works, so great works of art, great pieces of music, great pieces of literature, to generate enough tourism. And there's kind of an arbitrary tourism mark that's set based on how many other civs that you're playing with. And whenever you get the tourism mark that high, it's like your culture becomes the most respected in the world because all the other cultures want to come check out your stuff, basically. You can you can track it as like how much influence you have over the rest of the world. Yeah, but um, then there's also the archaeologist uh, making sites versus digging up works and uh, theming. And, uh, it actually is a fairly deep process if you want to go down it. Yeah, I don't think I think that this in Civ Six one thing by sort of default is that you create artifacts as you play. So you start in the ancient era, and you know you might have these big battles take over and destroy a city or kill barbarian camps or whatever. Those can randomly generate artifacts that you can find in the future. Yeah, that's to stick yeah, in that's museums. The, yeah, that's uh, the artifacts are uh, from Civ Five where. It bases the placement of uh, dig sites for the archaeologist somewhat 
on ancient battles earlier in the game, but not always. So, you know, it's not just, okay, well, there was a big battle here. I'm going to expand my territory to make sure I capture it. Not necessarily from what I've uh, 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 understood. Right. Well, in Civ 6 too, you can send out archaeologists to pick up the artifacts and bring them back. They don't have to be in your territory. I don't know if that's the case for Civ 5. Like I said, I'm, I just hit the industrial era. Um, and I, there's a lot of stuff that opens up in the industrial era and a lot of things will say like this changes when you get to the industrial area. So, but yeah, I mean, I, I love it. I, I have installed Civ 6. I'm probably going to play some Civ 6 again. Um, two as I go along, but Civ 6 I mean, as I'm, well. Yeah. Civ 6 also, but Civ 5 is still my favorite in the series by far, but I'm going to buy for 10 bucks. I'm going to buy Beyond Earth, and I'll play that too, and we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Uh, Civ 6 always just... I'm, I'm, I just balk at that entire city creation aspect of it, where it feels a, a lot more... I don't want to say deep, but overly complex in what it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it hobbles you until you uh, go... You know, several games to understand okay well this building unlocks later so you want to save this spot for later and it's just no i'll just go play sip five yeah like i said pros and cons there's some interesting strategic stuff to it um you can reassign tiles to different cities to shuffle things around like it does add another layer to it but also i a lot of times i find it more frustrating than um fun yeah, I'll be interested to see if they stick with it for Civ Seven. Because let's be honest, there'll be a Civ Seven. Yeah, who's who's the guy that narrated Civ Five? Because Civ Four was Leonard Nimoy, and Civ Six is um, crap. The actor who dies in like everything he's ever been. Sean in. Bean. Sean Bean, thank you. Uh, William Morgan. Uh, William Morgan Shepard. Sorry. Star Trek Six: The Undiscovered Country. Actually, he's been in a lot of stuff. Like, he, he sounded vaguely familiar to me, but not in a way that's, like, immediately, like, I know who that guy yeah. is. Yeah, it's not like Learn anymore, right? Yeah, but I have seen some stuff with him in it. But, yeah, those are the games that I played. Yeah, but yeah, week. but let's be honest. We all remember Klingon Prison Warden, right? <laughs> yes. 100% that's who I remember. Or Unnamed Captain in Pocahontas 2, right? Yeah, I've never seen Pocahontas 2. Electric Boogaloo. But, yeah, I think that's going to do it for games we played this week, which means that we can move on to the Game Club. Anyone who is joining us for the first time and has never experienced Game Club before, Rage and I often <laughs> Rage and I often play very different games, and even if we play the same game, it's at different times, like with the example of Plague Inc. We've each played it, but I played it and talked about it like a year ago. Um, game club is a way for us to come together to discuss the same game at the same time and uh potentially include you guys in it as well so for march which bleeding into april although we planned for it to be an extra week into april uh we played the outer worlds um we have played and previously talked about this briefly on an episode last fall I yeah when it, it came October. out uh, remember yeah. i played it a bit uh, because it came to game pass pretty much immediately yeah, I, th- I think it was October. It might have been September or something. Yeah, like. I want to say October sounds about right. Where, but um, yeah, it it was uh, it came out. It was on Game Pass, and we both 
uh, have uh, Game Pass and have greatly enjoyed it. And I decided to check it out, and I was rather impressed with it. So I pushed to have it on to uh, put it onto the list, and here we are. Yep. Although it's not like it was a hard push, I was all all about it because when I played it, then I enjoyed it a lot as well. Um, so we're going to keep this relatively spoiler free. Actually, we're going to talk about some story stuff, probably that the, what, like the groundwork for the story. Yeah. Groundwork some for the story. The uh, yeah. I would say, uh, I'm actually not sure how far I am in. I have all the characters and I'm, uh, going to get gas. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just to um, be as loosely uh, loose on uh, terms as possible. Yeah. I'm I'm also not 100% sure how far I am. Neither of us beat it. We've each played it for more than 20 hours. I've played it for about 30. My save game time is messed up though. I had I had to reinstall Windows during this process and while it kept all of my like thank God for the the cloud otherwise I would have lost all of my stuff, but it kept my save data but it reset my playtime to zero. So technically my save file says I've only played for 7 hours. But I've played it for around 30, actually. Um, I'm in the late 20s. My level's 27. I'm pretty close to 28. And I think you said you were level 25. So Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I just for... hit 25 and uh, got a little bit more with a little bit of uh, uh, from that last quest I did. And I think the max level is, what, 30? Uh, actually, I don't know what the max level is. Yeah, level 30. Which uh, introduces a interesting thing with, uh, you know, how many perks you could get. So I think I could get probably, I think you could get 10 perks overall without additional ones, which we'll get to eventually. Yeah. And I gotta admit, I've mostly took like stuff like increasing carry capacity and stuff like that because uh, I have a love-hate relationship with the loot system in the game. So let's go ahead and I guess talk about the... Probably the worst part of the game is just the UI and loot system before really getting into the story of things. Uh, the- yeah, I think, well, okay, I think the UI in general is okay, but they really should have done something better with loot management, or, or not loot management, inventory management. Um, again, it suffers from console console-itis. syndrome. Console-itis. Well, and for the perks and stuff, that's okay, because... There's not as many, but your inventory gets a hot mess real fast. Well, it's not just that. I have something going on with the UI on my game where uh, there's this sliding portion on the experience bar that I think is supposed to underline the fact that I have a debuff on me, but it fucking covers up the timer. I could see a timer taking down behind this bar, but I can't see the uh, how long it is. Only way I can see how long that debuff is going to last is to pause the game, go into my uh, into my character info, go to stats, and then look at the debuffs there. It is idiotic. Mm-hmm. Now, I haven't experienced that specifically, so I don't know if it's to do with hardware. Although, when I first started playing, you and I had a much closer hardware configuration, and I haven't noticed. Like I never had that problem before, so I, I don't know what it is that's causing that for you because i haven't experienced that yeah and i've looked around to f- try to figure out why it does that but i have no idea so i've just lived with it and you know, just assumed that all debuffs are like 10 hours until they go away uh but yeah i agree with you the inventory management sucks 
it is so easy to lose things in the inventory because there are very basic sorting tools, but there's no uh, way to really favorite things or to mark things. And there's way, 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 way too many similar and reused icons on items. Yeah. There's a, for for example, you have um, an inhaler, which serves as like a way to heal yourself and you can customize it by taking like uh, different types of things like food, for example, and putting it into your inhaler slots. And so that might give you a, a buff of like maybe extra health or you, extra speed. And as you increase your medical skill, you unlock more slots up to four consumables being used every time you use the inhaler on top of just healing you. Right. But, you know, that means that there's dozens of different but similar items in your inventory that might do, you know, different or similar or nearly identical things. And it, there's no yeah, the, good way yeah, to sort yeah, through yeah, those, all of them. So uh, yeah, those sorting things I talked about, the sorting categories, do not account for subdivisions like that. You'll, the yeah. only uh, subdivision that there is is between ranged and melee weapons. So of the, well, uh, not counting the miscellaneous drugs that you also pick up, uh, the alcohol, the sugary drinks, the carbohydrates, uh, there's no di- distinction between any of those. And sometimes it's a little confusing. Uh, you know, okay, what is this random bottle uh, in my inventory? Oh, that's, uh, that's a uh, carbohydrate for some reason. Oh, what's this one? Oh, that's alcohol. That sucks. Uh, I don't want to uh, use that. Uh, uh, what's uh, all these random syringes? What's uh, this? What's that? Uh, why uh, am I suddenly uh, uh, at max capacity on weight? All the all those uh, meats I've been picking up are a pound each. And so I got to get rid of those or just uh, sell them off for you know, uh, a couple bits, which is the currency of the game, bits. And you have similar problems with weapons and armor because you could have wildly varying weapon and armor stats, but they use the exact same icon because maybe they're like the same armor set, but one of them's level five and one of them's level ten. And also, not just that, but if you, uh, let's say you have a piece of power armor and you have a piece of stat armor as well to swap out for, you know, those times that, uh, you want to uh, pick some locks. Well, if you take off your power armor that you've uh, put mods on and tinkered on and uh, all this, unless you uh, have only one piece of armor that has that many mods on it, good luck finding it again. It's going to take you a bit, especially if you've been uh, you know, shooting some marauders and they've been wearing power armor, right? Yeah. Basically, what I do, did to manage it was just clear out my armor or clear out my inventory all the time. And just every so every few levels, it, especially in the early game, I would just not change anything. And then every few levels I'd change all my stuff and then empty my inventory and then go like three or four levels before I in, before I did that again. Yeah, for me, uh well, I pretty much immediately scrapped all melee weapons unless they were legendary or uh, science weapons, which science weapons are unique weapons with odd effects and uh, legendaries are basically high-end versions with uh, usually th- max mods or at least one or two mods installed. Uh, I would scrap everything else for parts and eventually chance for mods to be able to uh, uh, modify my own stuff and just try to keep the same basic weapons. 
with maybe one alternate, uh, if need be. Like, I found this goop gun. Uh, did you find many of the science weapons, actually? Not really. Um, that's Those are kind of the quest lines that I'm following right uh, now. Well, I, that I have for the science weapons. I've got the shrink ray, and I've got... I forget what it's called. It's like um, it's one of the the shock sticks, and it does something special. Uh, well, I never actually used that, but I have it. Uh, I got a goop gun that shoots electrified uh, 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 slime that yep. makes people float. <laughs> so, nice. so if you hit somebody, it'll just kind of float along the ground, uh, uh, in uh, ragdolling, and become essentially a pinata for bullets because melee sucks in this game, or at least it sucked as far as I played it and decided you know guns are the answer the question was do you want to shoot something and yeah guns melee's not terrible um but it's one of those things it's like you need to try to spec into it a little bit because i did I, I i've played around with some stuff but i also wound up going gun spec honestly though i haven't put too many points into weapon related skills um i've gotten everything up to the point where that you have to put points in now to individual things like, I got everything up to that level, or or pretty close to it. I don't remember the exact spread of my stats. Yeah, only one I don't I've, have for put... that is um, uh, ranged weapons, which are in the 40s, and melee weapons, which are in the teens. Yeah. So, let, actually, let me, let me explain that for just a second. So, I mean, this is an RPG where you level up and you get points that you put into stats. And your stats are divided roughly or, or into similar... They're blocks of similar similar skills. So, you know, gun skills are in one sort of skill block. And you get points to upgrade. And at the beginning, um, when all of your skills are really low, let's say you put one point into guns. Well, your heavy guns and your light gun skills both go up by one point. And that goes until uh, an arbitrary number. They're all around 50, right? 50 or 60. Um, I think that might be a little bit also based on your... Um, like what you set up for yourself at the beginning of the game, like your sort of backstory where, um, and your sort of initial, like, I'm a scientist and you get sort of no, space janitor, space janitor. <laughs> right. But, um, anyway, so up until you max those out, anytime you put a point into that grouping, they all go up by that amount. So that's nice. That, that means that you, you know, you can still level up some stuff that maybe you're not like a hundred percent using, but you want to swap to later and it's not as horribly underleveled. Um, but I mean, I put basically all of my points into, uh, the conversational skills, uh, um, and then like lock picking. Uh, well, I have both lock picking and hacking pretty high with lock picking well over a hundred. If I put on all my stat boosting stuff. Yeah. Uh, and eventually, uh, that, that's one thing that kind of, uh, uh, arced me for, uh, well, actually, still gets to me is all the press and hold stuff. Oh, damn! It's I know it's a pet peeve, but it gets annoying whenever. Okay, I want to travel here. Okay, uh, press and hold to go into there. Okay, press and hold to inter- to open the door. Press and hold to interact with this. Press and hold to interact with that. It's just ugh. Press and hold uh, should just press and die. <laughs> um, what was I about to say? Dang it. Oh, well, I guess it's really... Oh, uh, you were talking about the stats. Yeah, um, I don't know. My uh, brain just you were talking totally stats uh, with uh, uh, hacking and uh, lockpicking. 
Um, I, uh, it, oh, it does fit. Um, I put all my points into conversational or uh, into that stuff and basically have ignored combat skills because this game suffers or benefits from what has happened with uh, Fallout 4 um, in, in the Fallout series uh, and with really with Skyrim as well compared to previous Elder Scrolls games because I think because it's just tech and game design has gotten a lot better for doing like these first person combat systems you don't need the boosts in order to actually make combat be effective if you're good enough yeah well quote, if unquote. they don't lock off items behind skill points like you can't use this gun unless your strength is high enough or your long uh, gun skills are high enough or whatever which they don't in this so you know you're competent enough to be able to fire off pretty much any weapon and right honestly uh or at least okay i'm playing on normal on normal mode so am i and outside of a couple exceptions combat has been pretty much a joke the times that i've died have not been actually in times where i'm prepared for something it's when i'm like running along randomly and stumble into something that if I'd just taken like two seconds to like think about, I would have been okay. But it's like run into a pack of like high level bad guys and I've like sprinted ahead and my teammates haven't like spawned in behind me yet and I get killed uh, see, before I've, I can do I anything. I haven't done that. Uh, a couple of the bigger fights uh, on some of the uh, one, like one of the companion uh, quests was tougher. It, I didn't die on it, but it was tougher and I had to use uh, uh, some of uh, my more area effect weaponry uh yeah, but it never felt like it was a challenge now i realize that there's two more difficulty modes higher than this but it's honestly really just tweaking damage and health numbers and then adding a lot of bullshit survival-esque uh stuff on top of it so uh, yeah i'm really i find i found I found myself redoing a lot of stuff on purpose because it's like, well, crap, I, you know, I, it, I should have done this or that person died and I wanted to talk to them or whatever. So I'd reload and redo something. I mean, I, you know, I've died a few times when I've screwed something up royally because I wasn't paying attention, but I, I in general haven't found the combat challenging. Yeah. Uh, and I'm okay with that. Like, yeah, like I will you just say said, there are higher difficulties. I will say that it's interesting that at least uh, one or two uh, missions are time-based. So I have had times that uh, I went off and did my own thing and then came back and, oh, uh, that changed this so that this person's dead now. Whoops. So there is a bit of element of uh, rushing to try to do some objectives. So it's not all the static world that's kind of a problem in modern RPGs where... Nothing ever really changes. And I've also had NPCs contact me after the fact to uh, continue on storylines. So it encourages you to reach uh, backtrack and uh, continue stories later on. Uh, but it's just, there's just something about the combat that feels lacking. I'm not sure if it's just the fact that it feels overly simple. If it's just, it feels almost tacked on for lack of a better term. If there's just, uh, maybe it's just the, uh, a uh, counterpoint to that the weapon systems feels like, okay, you get a good assault rifle or something that fires quickly, a decent shotgun for close range, maybe a melee if you're into that sort of thing, and you're pretty much set. 
You just uh, have to update them every so often and tinker with them and maybe add a mod or two to them. It, it yeah. just the, the the combat just feels uninspired. <coughs> it's something we haven't talked about yet or haven't mentioned yet is the time dilation, which feels it. You know, the closest comparison is is vats, sort of like vats. It's essentially it vats from Fallout seventy six. It's or or uh, well, not quite. Sorry, uh, that's an auto aim. This. Is just slows everything down and allows you to have more precision. And it feels more like it's uh, for the console player so that they could line up that perfect headshot while, you know, trying to aim with two thumbsticks instead of just being able to, uh, you know, snap off one with a mouse and keyboard. Or at least it did to me. Outside of... Well, there's some... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. There's some perks, and also I think some stuff you can put in the inhaler that changes the way that it works. Because um, initially, it's just a pure slowdown. Um, yeah. You know, it slows down time, and you slow down a little bit. Not It doesn't feel like you slow down as much as everything else, um, but that could just be, you know, perception. But you can get perks that will change that. Like, you move faster <laughs> than normal during the time dilation um, and things like that, um, you know, you can do increased damage or, or whatever, like higher crit chances, like, you know, very, various perks and, and things can change that. But again, generally, with just the way combat works, all that is totally ignorable, at least on, you know, normal difficulty. Yeah, which feels a little disappointing, honestly. It feels like it, this could have almost been visual novel-esque where combat is just kind of there in the background and not or I should say it feels almost visual novel-esque where combat is more of an obstacle and not something that's really enjoyable in long stretches. I do find the combat enjoyable though. Uh, Like we've been talking about this and I feel like we've been overly negative on it. I love this game. It's like a solid A I, I would me. give it a, a good B for me overall, but uh, this is also with us not finishing it yet, yet. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the ending could, you know, either make or break. Or one of the endings, but... because uh, this is a game that has multiple endings. True. But, I mean, I love this game. I love basically everything about the gameplay loop of it. I love the the story. I love the way that all the characters are written. I love how that it, you know, this might not be true because this could just be one of those game design things, but it really does feel like I I matter, like my choices matter. And I know for a fact, because I've seen stuff about this, like you can play the game with no companions, like you can reject all of the companions um, and get a completely different experience story-wise and gameplay-wise because without the companions there's a lot of things like banter that you miss between the two of them your ship the unreliable changes as you bring companions on board and complete their quests and find collectibles you know they personalize their rooms and wander around the ship um you know all of that can be completely different and that's just you know that's a small thing in the grand scheme of it but those sorts of things make the world feel like it's alive and has depth yeah, and, and I love the matters. banter between the companions. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, th- this is going to sound like a backhanded compliment, but uh, hear me out on this. It feels almost like the elevator scenes from the original Mass Effect. where No, that's perfect. I love those scenes. 
Well, it feels like those only you're actually doing things. You're actually learning about the world as well. You're actually traveling. You're not just stuck there in a fucking loading screen. Yeah. Or a uh, hidden loading screen, I guess I should say. Uh, but uh, Felix and Parati were discussing toss ball back and forth, and he was trying to teach her how to play. Uh, oh shoot, I'm blanking on the uh, the bounty or uh, on the game hunter's name. Yeah. Uh, Nyoka? Yeah, Nyoka and Ferrati uh, are having like this uh, uh, camaraderie going on, uh, getting to know one another. Uh, At one point, I took Ellie out to do her companion quest and just took Ferrati with me because, well, uh, I think she's my favorite out of the group. Oh yeah, Ferrati's the best. I love that girl. She's my favorite. And, uh, she was talking about how uh, she loves that Ellie uh, takes care of her weapons and uh, it offered to fix her gun uh, from uh, uh, to allow it to uh, perform better. And it's just all those little character moments between the two uh, companions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I-, I didn't really play enough with Sam. Uh, Sam is a robotic janitor that's outfitted with acid uh, sprayers. <laughs> For extreme decontamination. Yes. Um. Yes. Yeah, Sam. Sam and Pravati are great because Pravati treats him like a person. Everyone else treats him like a robot. I mean, he's a Sam unit, mm-hmm. but Pravati treats him like a person. And so, like, she has these little conversations with him that are really cute because she'll like be talking and he'll say something about his tech specs, and she'll be like, "Now, you know, I told you that you really need to keep those bristles clean if you want maximum effectiveness." And he'll do, like, a commercial, like, maximum effectiveness requires you to upgrade to the next model. <laughs> and she's like, oh, oh, sweetie, I'll do the I'll do the upgrade for you tonight. Don't worry about it. It'll be great. Or or, or whenever you come back to the ship and uh, the sh- uh, Sam is cleaning the cockpit of the Unreliable and the AI is getting rather into it. <laughs> yes, yeah, she is. Uh, but she I, has this sort of GLaDOS feel to her, doesn't she? Uh, Ada? Yeah. Yep. Uh, she uh, keeps saying that, no, oh, no, no, I'm definitely not an artif- uh, illegal artificial intelligence. Oh, and also, there's this humor about the game that it has this kind of dry wit about it the entire time. Uh, that a lot of people talk about uh, the game being essentially Fallout New Vegas in space. And yes, it pretty much is. Uh, for example, whenever you take control of the unreliable, it's not technically your ship it's the uh, it's under the command of captain hawthorne uh and the ai insists that you're hawthorne <laughs> no matter what you do and even gives you an id for uh, for that uh you can't have a conversation with her later though where you're like so you know like yeah. we all know i'm not hawthorne right and she's like yeah i know <laughs> i'll just uh let her pretend because it's more fun that way uh, but there's this uh, dry humor to everything. Uh, does it feel too over the top like uh, Borderlands has turned into? Mm-hmm. And there's some actual really kind of creepy moments. There's some uh, really heart touching moments or heart uh, 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 pulls on your heartstrings, like uh, the companion quest for Pervrati or uh, for Yoka. Those two are, I think, the best uh companion quest so far 
Yeah. I've done all the companion yeah, quests. Yeah, I've, I've, so. I'm only missing one of the companion quests, which was Felix, and I'm pretty sure I know where that's going. Parvati is the, is the best. I like hers the best. But it's also um, the, the most really involved. Liked, yeah, I also really liked Ellie's as well. Um, I liked meeting Ellie's parents. That was fun. Yeah, and then bankrupting them. And then bankrupting them, yeah. <laughs> but that was that was neat. Yeah, but the so. thing is, I did it so late into my play that I was able to pretty much instantly finish her, so it felt a little anticlimactic. Yeah. Um. Uh, um. The Vicar, uh, Vicar Max, Dioka, uh, Pavarotti, and Felix have more involved quests. It seems uh, Ellie just feels very quick and overdone with. Sam doesn't have a dedicated quest outside of just activating him, as far as I know, at least. Yeah, I don't think so. I think that's his whole quest, is you... Which is a little disappointing. You activate him. I would have liked to see the, like, uh, that upgrade, you know? Yeah. Um, but I'm trying to think of other things to talk about that don't involve, like, diving into the story too much. Well, the- um, I do... Uh, well, speaking of Hawthorne, I, I mean, this happens, like, at the very beginning of the game. I love that, like, your introduction, quote, introduction to him is after you've squished him with your escape pod. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the... That's, uh, yeah, that's I mean, the, I, mean, the tra- I mean, the trailer sets kind of the tone of uh, kind of the... sort of the more wacky side of the game, which there is a fair amount of, especially whenever you're uh, dealing with the, the uh, Dr. Phineas. But... Uh, it's not all wacky, which I'm thankful for, actually. There's actually a, there, a lot of more subtle humor. There's a lot of more uh, subtle tones. Uh, there's actually a large degree of seriousness in the game yeah. as well. Like, I mean, there's plenty of wackiness and silliness, but uh, it knows uh, how to be serious, Yeah, and too. a lot of social commentary, especially at this point uh, in time, right? Yeah, it's on the nose. I don't know when this game first entered development. Um, but, uh, yeah, perfect for 20, 2019, 2020 America and a lot of the Western world, although America the worst mm-hmm. at this, but, um, you know, in essence, corporations run everything and it's horrible and wealth inequality is, is the worst ever. And there's a few places that sort of do things the way that we do in the real world with like having a weekend um and that's like crazy ridiculous out there ideas and it's it's there there is a lot of commentary if you want to dive deep into it and it's more than just like corporations bad there's a lot of that in the game but that's not the only point of the game that corporations are bad um in some points uh, it's uh corporations are the only thing that uh kind of push society forward which is kind of a weird way to say it uh, because, yeah. uh, but then again, corporations are the government in this game as well. Uh, shoot, I'm trying to remember which companion quest it was on. They were talking about how, uh, I think it was the Yokus actually, where they were, she was talking about, uh, the, she was there when the corporations pulled out. And without them, nobody is really organized. But you could look at that and say it's a government thing too you know uh, without government uh, nobody's really organized and anarchy makes it so that nobody uh does anything right yeah i love i love the art style of this game um 
it's got a, a, a wide variety of colors. You get a, a good mix of brights, pastels. You get a good mix, I, and I think appropriately placed, of like darker colors and browns. and um, it, it uses the full color spectrum. I wish I had an HDR monitor, actually. I think this would be a really good game to see an HDR, but I don't have an HDR-compatible monitor. Um, the game, in general, runs uh, rough. Um, I had a lot of problems when I played it with my 480. Had to keep... I mean, you know, I actually ran ha- like... I actually didn't really have that many problems with it. I, I had mine down around, like, medium settings. Typically had a, a roughly... You know, a, a pretty steady 60. Um, I was able to crank it up to high on the 1070 um, and kept it above 60. But I, I had, I, I, it could be something else with my hardware configuration too, because I had lots of stuttering, um, especially weirdly, I think, in like city areas. Like being out in the countryside and doing combat and stuff is fine. But as soon as you get up close and like rub your, your face, you know, you lick walls. Uh, I would I would hit stutters and pretty big frame drops, and it didn't seem to make too much of a difference what I did with like the texture resolution and anti-aliasing and things like that, which is usually what takes care of that. So I don't know if I had something going on weird with my hardware configuration that it didn't like or or what, but that was both. I mean, AMD it was, I mean, it was an amazing video. So. Definitely not terrible, at least on mine. So who knows, right? Yeah, but um. I, I do like the art style. I like the the theming, sort of the retro aesthetic. Uh was really nice. I like how everything's big and chunky, you know, as opposed to being like all sleek all the time. Yeah, it has uh that sort of uh, used up technology that the original Star Wars series had or Star Wars trilogy. Yeah. Where everything has been used uh or the corporations haven't really cared about sustainability, so they've just, uh, you know, tried to do maximum profits. Uh, in the opening area, which starts to get more into the story, I would say it sets up a lot better uh, the overall themes than really anywhere else in the game. Uh, of, uh, but it also ha- hasn't really followed through on that yet, where it's shades of gray. There's no real proper good choice uh, between the outcast and uh edgewater where if you side with one side you're cutting off a uh, 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 this thriving community that is uh learning to be sustainable and overcoming the disease that uh this rampant uh commercialization is caused just by you know not p- uh, polluting literally everything ever but on the flip side, if you side with the the naturalist and then don't go out of your way to try to rebalance things, it feels like you're just setting them up for a fall a little bit further down the line. So there's this shades of gray that I really like that I haven't really seen anywhere else in the game yet. But I'm also not that far into the main story because a lot of times I would just start exploring around and finding random shit. There was a lot of times that I was inadvertently skipping a lot of quest steps. Uh, there was one uh, uh, on Cascadia, uh, which is a, a place that you uh, can skip to, uh, but it's a death sentence unless you've leveled up and gotten some decent weaponry. 
Yeah. And it's one uh, one of the few places I actually struggled with, at least at first, uh, because it's essentially a meat wall. You, you have level like 15 to 20 enemies, and if they're overleveled, uh, they seem to take far less damage, or they just have that much more health. And after you hit a certain level, you start seeing Mark II versions of weapons and ultra weapons and that sort of thing, which are substantially better than what you've seen previously. And I just started to see them on Cascadia, and they kind of filtered out from there. Ironically enough, if you've been, into, if you're into the story, you'll know why that's a little ironic. But yeah, um, I was, I, I you know, I, I'm definitely a lot farther in in the story yeah. than you are. Um, and I that shades of gray comes up a few times. I I, I feel like anyways. Um, I'll I'll be super vague, but it, it, you get a quest later on from one of the um, larger corporations. It's sort of like a test, um, and uh, they they want you to do something. And there's various different ways you can complete this quest. You can go basically track down somebody and kill them to get what you need. You can do sort of an investigation, and you can use your talkie-talkie skills. Um, you can do a little bit of a, a sneaky espionage-type thing. Yeah, which and I actually think is a, a lot of the stealth, which they did introduce this uh, holographic uh, disguise unit, and outside the the first area that you unlock, I haven't used it at all. I comes in handy in a couple of other places as well. Again, main it, at least main story quests, it comes up more than once. Um, but anyways, so you've got, um, a few different ways that you can manage this or, or complete this quest. And there are different people that pop up along the quest and you can do things like you can kill them or you can extort them or you can actually enlist their help, um, to help you with the quest. And I actually redid the quest a few times cause I was curious how it plays out. And you do get different... I mean, the corporation person is trying to, I think, prove a point to you because they kind of scold you no matter what you do. Like, it's not like... There's not really a, a good way to complete this quest, so to speak. Like, there's sort of a morally good way. There's an expeditious way. You can think outside the box. You can do exactly what they told you to do. And they find some way to gripe at you no matter what you do. But it does feel like, you know what, these people are just kind of assholes and... Um, this is sort of a gray situation. I, you know, how do I handle it in the best way for me? It's pretty cool the way that it plays out. Um, uh, ultimately I went back through and I basically did like mostly a good thing, but also something that was kind of selfish. I think this, the huge, and I, I don't know how this plays out. I think this has to do with exactly which of the endings that you're going to get in the game, but there's sort of this thread that seems to run through most of the main quest lines. Like, are you going to rat out Phineas or not? And, you know, how much do you tease the major corporations about that? Do you, do you, are you honest with them? Do you feed them false information? And then in turn, how do you talk to Phineas about what's going on with the corporations when you go to see him? So I don't know exactly how that's going to play out in the end. Cause like I said, that's probably what leads to the various main sort of endings to the game, but it's interesting. I, I don't think I'm going to rat him out. I feel like there's so much to learn about him. That he keeps the car, you know his cards so close to his chest. Yeah, uh, but at uh, the same time, it makes me not want to trust him completely. Yeah, I so don't trust him, but I trust the corporations even less. So it's like he's the least bad option, is what I feel like about him. But maybe another option will present itself farther. Well, I, well, I did want to of... look to see how many endings there are. Uh, not any spoilers, mm-hmm. but there's three main endings. 
with up to 20 additional endings for specific characters and factions, depending on actions. So it sounds like three nice. primary endings and then maybe like a slideshow for, uh, Fallout-esque showing the yeah. the different uh, actions that you took. Because there's yeah. only a, really a handful of primary factions. Uh, the the world feels small yet big. There's uh, Each planet is essentially one or two cornered off maps that really don't interact with one another outside of going back and forth for questing. And it has this, uh, you know, problem that it does cut off things. So it doesn't, it's a little more obvious whenever you're being sent around to on a fetch quest or to uh, check off something on a quest line. But at the same time, it allows them to be a lot more detailed and to hide a lot more things. And I have to worry about uh, things wandering around or have to deal with uh, trying to tie portions of areas together or making just this one big map that's just the same shade of uh, brown or different shades of the, the same color so you get very differing environments because of it for example uh just the couple of areas on terra 2 if i recall correctly uh going from uh the emerald veil where edgewater is to mm-hmm. uh, and you see this cannery town where uh, they pack salt tuna uh, which is essentially just tuna or at least what they claim uh, they kind of ran out of tuna ages ago so they're basically just throwing anything they can into the cans nowadays you know sawdust bits of wood uh you know, some mushrooms yeah whatever right it all tastes right. like salt tuna in the end uh and everything's kind of uh dilapidated uh there uh, there's uh, it's on the ocean, but it's been polluted. Everything's uh, dying. But then you go over to Roseland, which is on uh, essentially the other side of the planet, and a lot and it's a lot more vibrant. But it's the same theme for the planet. Uh, but they haven't polluted it. They haven't killed everything. Uh, there's uh, of course uh, shipwrecks and everything as well because that's the outer worlds for you. But it uh, they don't have to try to make that transition without having an obvious seam. So it's a double-edged sword on this, where the lack of interconnectivity between the different areas uh, definitely hurts whenever you're going on a bigger quest trying to you know, do things, because you, know, you have to go through several loading screens and have to deal with uh, maybe uh, tra- uh, traversing planets, but at the same time, it makes it, the maps feel a lot more intimate and well done because they obviously were able to spend more time handcrafting these various parts of the world and putting a lot more detail and a little bit of hidden treasures and a little bit of hidden stories into things. So, yeah, I'm I'm not sure if it's a downfall or not that it's not more open world, but with how the game is and its theming, it's probably for the best that it's like it is. Yeah, I think it is probably for the best that it is like it is, because it doesn't feel... I always feel like it's just right, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, it's nice to be able to explore a giant world in Fallout 4 or Skyrim or even, like, Oblivion and Morrowind and stuff. Like, that's great. They, you know, they're awesome. But at a certain point, it's like, God, I just want to get to the thing. I just want to do the thing that I need to do right now. And this this feels like it always hits the perfect balance between... Oh, I can go explore over there and find something cool in that cave or whatever. But also, 
oh, I can, you know, here's where I need to go for my next quest. Or, you know, that thing I'm trying to do. Even if it's not a quest, if it's just like you're, you know, searching for something or working on getting something else. It's like, it's right there, you know, and I, and I feel like it's it's for the best. You know, that's something, though, that's purely subjective, but... Yeah, but that's yeah, me. but it's also the thing where they don't have to try to make it make sense the transition between the two uh, areas. Yeah, because oh boy, there's some very different landscapes, to say the least. Yeah. So trying to transition between the two would be tough at best. Um, trying to think. Uh, I don't. I don't think I have anything else well, that I really well, want to bring well, up. Well, we and didn't talk really about. talk about. Uh, we talked about the loot system, but we never really talked about uh, the. Uh, in, in, uh, the engineering systems where you could tinker with your guns, you could add uh, mods. We briefly touched on it, but did you do much with that? I did. I, I felt like that system was pretty straightforward. Um, I, it did feel spend... like it got a little bit too expensive too quickly without you know, some major dumping into perks. Yeah. I mean, you spend bits to essentially upgrade weapons and armor, sort of their, their flat stats. Yeah, it basically bumps then... the level up, and it also is based off your current level, so you if you're level 10, you can't push, push something up past level 15. But the thing is that at one point, there's just, it feels like everything gets replaced with Mark IIs. So it feels like it was kind of pointless to do anything in the early game because of it. Yeah, and typically I wouldn't upgrade something past the first level or two because it was so expensive. It, the benefit wasn't worth it because by then you could find sort of the next level or next stage of gear or whatever and then do that a couple times and sort of go go from there but and then also gear um not not all gear but a lot of gear has got essentially upgrade slots where you can you can slot things into and they can give it stat boosts or little perks or whatever i I feel like there was a decent variety there but nothing that was like Oh my god, this system is like so in depth and crazy cool. Yeah, it, yeah, it just felt like after oh, a while, I, I saw everything for the mod system. It didn't feel like there was anything truly interesting past that point, yeah. unless there's more mods to unlock later on, or there's like some super rare ones. I did encounter a rare or a pristine mod, so I do know those exist. Unfortunately, the one I got was for melee because fuck you, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. So I do know that those exist, but it was disappointing. Uh, but it just felt like the, there could have been something else because there was always like, okay, the magazines are either boost a crit uh, or uh, boost a magazine size or add an element uh, to your weapon. And that was pretty much it. Uh, barrels were uh, reduced sway or... Uh, add uh, crit damage, that sort of thing. Sights uh, add different scopes or add a gyro sight, which uh, reduces weapon sway and it may- improves your uh, your range. Maybe it's just I got spoiled by the concept of the science weapons that they uh, uh, are so unique, but you can't do anything with them other than just bump up their level and eventually... Even they start to lose their uh, power because the game levels past them. And outside of the first handful of levels, it just starts to get uh, prohibitively expensive to get past that. Uh, Like the first one would be like 50, then 100, then uh, 200, then 300. Then suddenly it's a thousand bits per level. 
Yeah. And it just felt like some guns were kind of useless, like some of the handguns. It just, it felt like there should have been more. Uh, but then again, that's kind of where we talked about the combat in the game felt almost like an actor afterthought at times. Yeah. So. So are we finally getting to the story? <laughs> <laughs> well, we, uh, we, well, we uh, kind of uh, front loaded the mechanics uh because we didn't, we wanted to go a little bit spoiler three, uh, free. Because one, we didn't look up the endings or what the actual endings are, uh, and we didn't want to spoil ourselves. But also, uh, there's a lot to the game story wise. So, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't think we should really get into the story too much. I mean, sort of the setting of the backdrop of it is that you're a uh, there 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 was a colony ship that was sent to this star system that was lost. Um, and you were were found by this doctor. Well, the, well, the doctor he, found the uh, the, uh, the colony ship, and he decided to try to revive them to uh, bring fre- uh, fresh blood to the colonies because the corporations have essentially rotted uh, all the talent. Everybody yeah. is beholden to the col- to these corporations, and he feels that, or at least the uh, yeah, his stated goals at least from where I am right now, is that the geniuses aboard the Hope, which was the first uh, colony ship sent, uh, the second one was the Groundbreaker, which is a uh, 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 was turned into a space station later on, which you visit. Yep. Uh, the Hope's uh, geniuses and uh, leaders would be able to revive and correct society somehow, right? Yeah, uh, but it doesn't seem that you're one of these geniuses. You're just, uh, yeah, like a carry-on or yeah, like crew or something. Yeah, and you've got a bunch of different silly things you can pick, like space janitor or you know stuff like that. But or salesman or that um, sort of thing. Uh, and all of them are little perks, uh, little additions that you could uh, do. Uh, but nothing felt very overpowered there were some that felt like they would be kind of useless uh like just you know small bonus damage yeah whenever damage or combat has been kind of meh but in general i mean that's kind of how the story starts and you know some stuff happens you get dropped off on the first planet and away you go and from jump i mean literally dropped too much more like yeah literally but I mean, from jump, like starting to talk too much about it, like really starts digging into the story because right away, like the game is not shy about like saying like, here's the world, here's what's going on, introduce you to these big factions and, you know, going from there. Yeah, I will say that the game and has a great to- hook on it uh, in the very beginning, especially with a more eccentric character like Phineas, Dr. Phineas as Wells, where he has this... Mad, uh, he is mad science. He is mad science personified. Uh, yep. Uh, so talking about oh, uh, so uh, uh, there's some slight possible side effects like explosive cell death. Uh, you don't feel like you're going to disintegrate, do you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, and uh, there. Well, we talked about you know, leveling up, but we never talked about flaws either. So eventually, throughout the course of the game, you could develop flaws in your character, which, uh, honestly, I never took any of them. Yeah, neither did I. So they're all very major stat debuffs or or, or detriments to your character. 
Uh, but it allows you to get an extra skill point, which the skill points you get it appears to be 10 at max level because it looks like it's one every two levels or so. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, there's 30 levels, so yeah, math, right? Well, Yay, math. Right. Well, it, it doesn't seem to be it's strictly every other level either because I've gone a couple levels and then I got one. But uh, there are things like, Oh, well, you're permanently crippled, so your walking speed is 25% slower. Uh, but you get a skill point, right? Yeah. Or you do less damage against a certain type of enemy, but you get a skill point. Yeah, it would be interesting for challenge runs, or maybe uh, building up a certain way, but uh, the only one that I found that was tempting was uh, when I got caught one too many times uh, while sneaking, which... With if you're high enough in your social stats, you you could just get away with even just stealing out right out from under someone's nose, uh, or at least once in a while. There seems to be some sort of internal cooldown for that, which is nice considering you know in the like the Elder Scrolls or Fallout series, if you accidentally pick up something, oh, certain death. Stop right there, criminal scum. Uh, but. But in this one, I think it's funny. It's like, what are you doing? Nothing. I was just leaving, officer. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But it would make you a little bit more paranoid while sneaking in uh, unauthorized places. But I decided, you know, probably shouldn't take that. Not worth it. It would be interesting for a challenge run to take all the ones that you have that come up at first or come up first. Mm -hmm. Or take ones that are detrimental to your combat abilities so that you have to rely more and more companions which are pretty smart uh, uh, AIs uh, they are able to warp to you if they get too far away so they're never really stuck which is a nice uh, thing uh, they're able to use ladders which that's nice huh yep uh, each, uh, each companion has their own special move which has a very short but a uh, Sometimes annoying cutscene, whatever you use. I mean, don't get me wrong, I like uh, uh, Ryoka, but it gets annoying to hear her yell every so often. Whenever, every time she screams yeah. and shoots her gun. Mm-hmm. I love the vicar with his shotgun blast yeah. and that witty one-liner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, all like half dozen of them, right? Yeah. I wish there was more. I get why they couldn't do like a million, but I wish there was like a million. Or max a million. Hey! Hi-o. Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, it's just... Coming back around, I would say that the inventory issues really take it from A game to, from me to a B game. Just because mechanics. It just uh, irritates me far too much. Mm-hmm. And it's just too much of a detriment. Uh, especially whenever you, know, you spend so much time trying to sort through... Uh, uh, all the inventory whenever you know, a couple additional things from the Fallout series, from the Elder Scrolls series, even though I hated what they did with the Elder Scrolls later on with inventory management, they are still made it so that you can hotkey things, you could, uh, or hotkey more things, which it seems like this game, at least in the higher difficulty settings, wants you to bounce between the different elements based on the enemy. But you only have four weapons, so you either have four assault rifles or, you know, right? Yeah. Or... There's problem. Oh, sorry. 
Uh, there's probably something else you can do with weapons, especially in the higher difficulties, but yeah, or uh, uh, you know the ability to favorite things, so you could you know not accidentally sell something, right? Yeah, it's just uh, the the combat not being as polished as it should be, but particularly that inventory system being frustrating at best, just takes it away from uh, a for me, which is a shame because it is a very good game. It's a very strong game, but yeah. Yeah, so overall, I uh, like it a lot. Very strong recommend at this point. Might come back when I do intend to finish it. It's going to be one of my 12 games for 12 months of 2020 that I beat. I am going to beat it. So I might come back and And, he's, and for once, he's ending. not talking about masturbation. Ew. Um, but come back and, and talk about it a little bit later when I actually do finish it. But for now, like solid A game recommend i would say b plus for me just because of the uh failings on some of the uh mechanics uh, uh the rpg side of things yeah the rpg management yeah fair enough um so our next game called game for april like i said i think at the very beginning when i was reading off the top of the list is fault milestone 2 we played Fault Milestone 1 last year. About, as a yeah, game just a, game. A, uh, 11 months ago, if I recall correctly. So, really liked the first one. Have the second one. Gonna go through it. It is a um, visual novel game. Um, hopefully, I didn't look it up. I, mean, I don't think we looked up how long, but I'm, I'm guessing probably about as long as the first one. Eight-ish, six to eight-ish hours. So, yeah, hang on. Da, da, da. It is registering as oh, hang on, that's the wrong one. Of course, they don't uh, say that. Uh, uh, how long to beat on that one? Oh, don't you hate that, right? Yep, that's okay. Um. Oh, sorry. Short. Uh, I, I found it. Uh, it's listed as a short visual novel on Visual Novel Database as a two to ten hour di- uh visual novel. Cool. So. Moving on and there, to our only... And oh. they did say that there's a prequel coming out, and then a sequel to Fault Milestone 2. Sweet. Maybe by this time next year, the next one will be out and we can do it. <laughs> um, but yeah, moving on to our only news topic of the night. Um, you wanted to discuss the new PlayStation controller. Yeah, because uh, to me, the, the console controllers are very important to uh, take a look at. And they're doing some weird shit. Okay. So, uh, the well, it's not the DualShock Five; it's the uh, Dual Sense. Uh, this is the from at least according to this press release, it sounds like it's going to be the default PlayStation controller. Uh, they're going full wireless again, but they're ditching kind of the styling of the DualShock controller into sort of this weird hybrid of the. Uh, DualShock and uh, the Xbox controllers, where they are go- the color scheme is, I think, is what gives gets it to me. It's this two toned white and black, so it looks kind of like it's yeah two controllers smacked together, right? And yeah, it is sexy though. I like that. Color well, scheme. well, they already said that there's going to be different two tone effects as well, or two tone uh, colors. So white and black ones are the only ones that they're showing right now, but. I could easily see a full-on black or somebody doing a full-on black or a different, you know, uh, maybe a red and black would look really good or a, like a, uh, uh, one of the few times I would say a bright green would look good, you know? 
even though that is obviously yeah. more Xbox colors. But what's interesting is some of the things that they're changing. So they're putting in haptic feedback into both the touchpad and the triggers, which only time we've really seen haptic feedback in a major controller has been, oh, wait, the Steam uh, controller, huh? Nope, it's in the Xbox One controller. Oh, it's in the Xbox has One? Been, okay. Uh, well, has been uh, since well, Xbox One launched okay. in 2013. Well, I haven't played the, with the Xbox One controller, so, okay, so that's where they're getting it. But the, yeah, the, it's got haptic feedback fact, in both joysticks. But they're, put it, but they're putting it on the touchpad, which is from uh, the Steam controller. Yeah. So that is something they're pulling, uh, or uh, pulling from uh, a little bit of outside influence, which is interesting. Uh, but also, they're moving the light bars into a sensible location so you can actually see the fuckers without having to do a, a hack on the controller midway through so it just shines onto the uh, touch uh, touchpad, huh? Yeah. Um, I, I This is sort of anecdotal, just based on stuff that I've seen and read over the years, but most people seem to say that, not that the PS4 controller or the PlayStation-style dual, DualShock controller was bad, but but that the Xbox controller from the 360 onward was better. And Nintendo, with their Pro controllers, has copied the design of the Xbox controller. Most third-party controllers copy the styling of the Xbox controller. Yeah, the controller. configuration. Uh, the, the, I, would yeah, say, the configuration. I would say the DualShock is the, uh, the lesser of the two, yeah. It's a lot harder, especially on that left thumbstick if you need to use it. So it's, it's interesting that... I. I don't know. It see it. This is probably going to be read as like, oh, they're conceding the design to Xbox. Yeah, but like they're, yeah, but they're not really. It looks like uh, just comparing it with um, my controller, they are spreading out the uh, thumbsticks a little closer to the uh, edges of the, the controller. But it also feels like the controller is a little bit more bulky, or the, it's. Oh, damn. It, it feels almost close to that banana controller. You remember that thing? The Batarang? Yeah. Uh, with those uh, handles on it. So. so I've got my Xbox One controller sitting here next to me. I just took my chat pad attachment off. And I'm holding it up to the screen next to the image of the PS5 controller. They look super similar. I mean, it's not identical, uh, especially because of the thumbstick, but if you swap the location of the thumbstick and the D-pad on the Xbox One controller and then just change the button stylings to be the way the PlayStation controller does them, these controllers are... I mean, if it was like a dark room and they were similar colors, I probably couldn't tell you right offhand. Because, uh, you know, that I couldn't left, see, obviously. Uh, outside that left thumbstick, huh? Yeah. They are very similar. You know, the, the the Xbox, like, jewel button is where the touchpad is and a couple of things like that. But, I mean, really, like, it, it's not a copy, but it's real close. Well, it will be interesting to see what they do with the battery life because they didn't address it directly in this. Uh, and that's been kind of the Achilles heel for the PlayStation controller is that its battery life is not great. It has a lot smaller battery than uh, what's available for the Xbox controller, and it's not hot swappable. Uh, for Yeah, as- yeah so... And a lot of Xbox controllers, I think the Elite controller comes with the built-in battery, and certain other ones do. But, I mean, a lot of the, the Xbox controllers still have got, like, the, you know, you can just replace the batteries. So, I mean, I do use rechargeable batteries with mine. I've got a bunch of AA rechargeables, but, you know, if my batteries die, I just swap them out. I don't have to 
plug it in and charge it. Yeah, but on the flip side, uh, or whatever. since I use the DualShock, uh, uh, my battery life is a lot less at probably about 8 to 10 hours, depending on uh, how much the uh, uh, rumble feature is used and also the brightness of the uh, uh, light bars to main factors. But uh, the DualShock controllers also have the ability to get charged from either the micro USB or the uh, auxiliary port on the bottom of the controller uh, underneath the uh, thumbsticks. So a lot of the uh, uh, chat pads and third-party controller add-ons uh, are backup batteries. So I have essentially two different uh, independent batteries I can use with my controller. Yeah, what's the battery um, capacity on the PS4 uh, controller? I know that's not like the be-all. Uh, it's only a thousand a lot milliamps. Of Okay, that's real bad. Yeah, but also it doesn't. I was thinking, yeah, but also it doesn't draw that much power. That's the thing. Well, that's why the rumble feature uh, is such a uh, big thing on how much uh, that uh, that battery lasts. Yeah, I don't know what the Xbox battery packs are. I I usually use. Uh, I've got some two thousand milliamp batteries, some twenty three hundred milliamps, and some twenty eight hundred milliamps. But even on just the two thousand milliamp batteries. I'll get 25, 30 hours of battery life out of my controller. And I mean, with the haptic feedback being involved, the rumble, I mean, it's all just done with rumble, really yeah. tiny little rumblers. So, I mean, that's running constantly, especially in a game like Forza or a combat game where you're, you're getting into, you know, taking damage a lot. Yeah, that's why I'm a little bit, weapons. that's why I'm a little concerned about the battery life on this because they didn't really address it overall, which is yeah. a little troublesome. And also the fact that they broke up the light bar because, yeah, that uh, depending on how they're handling that because, yeah. Uh, so I do have some concerns about it, but I do find it interesting that they've changed the controller this much because this is a pretty radical change. I'm a little surprised we didn't see those back buttons come into play. Remember the DualShock 4 has that add-on uh, or that official add-on that adds buttons to the rear of the controller? Yeah. I'm surprised that didn't come into play, actually. I think just a lot of people don't like that. Um, that's a configurable thing on the Xbox Pro controller or Elite controller or whatever it is. Like, that's one of the configurable things, having those backplate buttons. I know I've never liked them on controllers that I've used. I feel like I, I tend to accidentally hit them for stuff. Um, but, I mean, that's something that's, you know, purely subjective. Oh, and they've also I think most... relabeled uh, Share to Create. Ugh, right? <laughs> Gotta be different. Gotta stand out. I mean, overall, I'm interested in this. I'm you know, obviously not going to pick up one right away because, you know, I don't have a PlayStation 5 and I don't plan on getting one anytime soon. But yeah, I, I, I got to admit that with uh, software on PC, the DualShock 4 controller has been pretty damn flexible. So if uh, the uh, continued support uh, carries over, It'll be interesting. And also, they were talking about a built-in microphone array for uh, easily chatting, which I realize, yeah, that's not exactly new. But are they planning on uh, some integration with uh, smart speaker technology here? Like they showed off with Stadia and then never did anything with? As far as I know, at least. Yeah, there's some interesting questions here. That's why I wanted to talk about this. Plus, yeah, uh, news is a little thin right now. So whenever something interesting pops up that, you know, 
like this. Mm, right. Yeah. So just looking, just because I was curious, looks like the Xbox One, the ones that do have the built-in rechargeable battery packs, or if you buy, like if you've got a controller that uses the double A's and you buy like a Microsoft battery pack, they're uh, uh, 2,500 milliamps. And they'll last 20 to 25 hours. Yeah, let's put it this way. One of the uh, biggest hacks uh, for PlayStation uh, controllers, especially if your battery is old anyway, is there's a couple pieces of plastic that you can snap off that uh, essentially holds down the battery or just Dremel off. And you could put in a 2,000 milliamp battery into it and essentially have about 20 to 24 hours of battery life. So that is yeah. something. Although, yeah, a lot of the places say not contr- uh, not uh, c- uh, compatible with PlayStation 4 controllers, that sort of thing. But yeah, let's be honest, right? Yeah. Anything that's in... You get yourself a little foil, you can make something compatible. <laughs> I remember doing that with, with pennies. I've done it with foil. It's it's like I need, like, I've only got one battery, or I've only got triple A's. It's like, well, I'll shove some pennies in there, and it works. Yeah, and it doubles as a heater. Yeah, there you go. But yeah, it's good. I think what's going to make him break, or break this is just battery life, because damn, right? Yeah, you would you would hope that they would put, like, a 2,000 or a 2,500 milliamp mm-hmm. Especially battery going pack ha- in there. Especially haptic but... feedback. Yeah, because uh, that's something I would hope. That's something I didn't really miss, not, you know, having what, you know, you know, uh, just standard rumble features. Because usually that's good enough, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I've had haptic feedback for years now with the Xbox One controllers, and I've went back and used 360 controllers that don't have it. I've used, you know, sort of third-party controllers. It's weird to not have it. It's one of those things that it's like. I mean, you don't need it, but when you get used to it, it's just one of those little things. It's like, oh, this is so much nicer. So, and it, it makes a huge difference in playing driving games. I see. I don't it's, play it, driving games as much, and when I do, it's uh, arcadey games. So, yeah, it's it's a night and day difference for for like Forza, for example, playing with it versus when the controller batteries get low, it automatically turns off haptic and then eventually rumble all together. And it's like blinking, like your batteries are low. You need to change your batteries. But um, it's a huge difference to like go jam on the brakes and it gives you a simulated feeling of like ABS kicking back against your feet. But, in you know, in your fingers, mm-hmm. it's neat. It's just a nice little thing, especially like when I when I play like full hardcore sim, like no drive raids or anything. It's like, oh, God, ABS is I'm about to, you know, I'm not doing as good as I should do. Need to control my braking better. But anyways. It's nice. You don't need it for sure, but it's nice. Yeah, maybe that's the thing is that since I haven't really experienced it, it's uh, kind of a uh, uh, meh to me, right? Yeah. Well, I just wanted to throw this one out there because, yeah, we're starting to see uh, console hardware. Yep. Everybody's so excited about SSDs being in consoles. Welcome to 2010. <laughs> Motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. PC Master Race. No, it's the glorious PC Master Race. So I'm assuming you don't want to do a Discovery queue, but we do have a couple of things in the community corner, actually. Oh, I didn't log into the email. Well, well um, it wasn't in the email, uh, even though the email uh, threw a fit when I tried to log in. Uh, 
uh, Jim contacted me on Twitter talking about Eurotruck uh, breaking uh, concurrent uh, player records, uh, uh, which honestly is not exactly a surprise. I mean, there's records going uh, through the roof everywhere. Steam has uh, broke uh, its concurrent, uh, peak concurrent uh, player record several times uh, since uh, all this craziness has went down. So it's not a surprise, but it's you know, it's nice to see that people are you know, trying to keep themselves occupied and you know, uh, and Eurotruck is doing well because of it. And I also had a quick back and forth with Cube uh, well, uh, last Friday talking about GameStop and how they are definitely essential because you know you need to get reamed on your uh, used game uh, returns, right? That's right. And also the answer to the question of how many GameStops will uh, uh, remain closed so far over three hundred. <laughs> we'll get to all of them soon enough. Yeah, especially at this rate, right? Because people are talking oh, about yeah. possibly months. Yep. Which that's going to be fun. So indeed. That is the community corner. If you wish to contribute, vglpodcast at gmail.com or vglpodcast on the Twitter or Discord, which is on the uh, Podbean account, which is vglpodcast.podbean.com. Sweet. Rach, why don't you hit him with them socials? Well, I've been Caffeine Rage. You can find me on the YouTubes, uh, Game with Caffeine Rage. You can find me on Twitter, Game with CR, or if you wish to be my friend on Steam, Caffeine Rage there as well. And you've been... Gaming Psychologist. You can find me on the YouTubes by searching for Gaming Psychologist. Find me, or follow me, rather, on Twitter at JMA4707. And you can be my friend on Steam by sending a friend request or sending... And sending for a request by friending me at jarthur4707. And if you wish to let them know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from, the password for this week is Company Store. The Company Store. Because <laughs> nice. you owe your soul to the Company Store, right? Yeah. And very relevant with this one, huh? For sure. So once again... Uh, if you wish to contribute, vglpodcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, game-related topics, or tweet them to us, vglpodcast, on the Twitter. Our lovely, lovely patrons are keeping us going, patreon.com slash vglpodcast. And our lovely patrons are responsible for the Podbean. vglpodcast.podbean.com, which hosts the show notes, the RSS feed, links to all our stuff, and, of course, sources for all our stuff. Or you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, or your podcatcher of choice if you're somehow listening to this and not subscribed to us somehow. Our intro and outro music is on the ground by Kevin McLeod. You can find his work over at Incomputech.com and... As always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice. Bye-bye now. See you next time. Bye-bye.